Welcome to The Dark Parts, everyone, a show where we explore the darkest parts of history, the world, and your mind. I'm your host, Heath, and with me today is the lovely queen of Scream, Daphne. How are you? Howdy, folks. You may know me from my other podcast, Going West, True Crime. Yes, yes, that's our other podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about some very creepy shit. Daphne, tell me, how do you feel about creepy killer clowns? Not good at all. I'm really excited to talk about these kinds of stories, though, because for those who don't know about Going West, that's our true crime podcast, and we've always been interested in horror. So being able to tell horror stories is really exciting for us and super fun. We want to scare you guys as much as we're scared telling the stories. And starting off with clowns is is quite the place to begin because I think we're all a little bit scared of clowns. Yeah, there's actually a word for that. It's called colrophobia. I have that. You have that, do you? <laughs> so on a scale of one to ten, how much do you like clowns? Zero, dude. Who, who like? You know what's funny is thinking about, I know we're going to delve into this a little bit, but it's so weird to me to think about the fact that people used to have, and probably still do, have clowns come to their parties and they thought it was fun and clowns were these like cute, interesting, like how were they always not horrifying? Oh yeah, no, that's exactly my thought as well. And we're actually going to get into that a little bit today. And just a little, I actually met someone once whose parents were both professional clowns. And this was in my adult life. And I was really nice about it because on the inside, I was like, okay, you know, but if you're a professional clown, no hard feelings. I mean, I honestly kind of feel bad because sometimes I feel like clowns get a bad rap. And I think that's kind of a more recent thing, which we're also going to get into. Today, we're going to dive into the twisted and strange world of killer clowns. Where did the creepy story originate? What real-life killer clowns exist or existed? And how did the media and film industry shape our fear of those funny, red-nose-sporting, large-shoe-wearing, scarf-swallowing bastards? So, join us today while we dive into the history and mystery of the infamous killer clowns. So, before we can really take a look into how clowns took on a sinister persona, we have to first understand the history of clowning. And clowning actually dates back as far as the 5th dynasty of Egypt, sometime around 2400 BC. Clowns also developed in ancient Greek and Roman theater, and also Shakespeare used the term clown to name specific fools and a series of his plays including Othello. So those characters were usually portrayed as lower-class citizens and bumbling buffoons covered in tattered and dirty peasant clothes. They really weren't um, looked upon as wealthy characters during that time. The circus clown developed when Philip Astley, who created the London Writing School, added a clown act to his horse shows in order to keep his audience entertained between performances. So basically, he wanted something to be there as a filler. Then he thought, well, what's funnier than, uh, you know, a clown doing some stupid shit? Lots of things. And then after that, Nikolai Polyakov, I think that's his name, um, he was actually a popular clown named Coco the Clown, and he made his big debut back in the early 1900s, and he traveled all over the world performing in circus acts until he passed away in 1974. Moving on into the 1950s, clowning was starting to break into the mainstream spotlight with characters like, you guessed it, Bozo the Clown. Which I'm sure is the clown that definitely gave my dad colorphobia because he, he just 
cannot stand clowns. <laughs> it makes me laugh thinking about your dad being scared of clowns. Oh my <laughs> god, he he fucking hates them. It makes me laugh too. I just it makes me want to dress up like like Pennywise and just go scare the shit out of him. It makes me want to do that too. Maybe we will this this Halloween. Bozo the Clown first made his debut as a voice character for a children's record and read-along book set in 1946 before making appearances on television starting in 1949 all the way into the 2000s. Yeah, this guy had a super long career, and I think he was portrayed by multiple different people, but just the existence of that character Bozo lasted a very long time. Well, yeah, I think I think we can all see it, and I can't be the only person who thinks Bozo is super creepy. Oh, he's undoubtedly a creepy bastard. Yeah, with the long red flaming hair poking out from each side of his head and big red painted lips covering his face. It's pretty easy to create a frightening character out of Bozo, but experts say that the evil clown culture didn't truly take off until the 1980s. Author and former clown himself, David Carlion, states that, quote, There is no ancient fear of clowns. There was no panic rippling through Madison Square Garden as I walked up through the seats. Not at all. But then again, after that, an author named Benjamin Bradford begs to differ, though, as his book Bad Clowns explains, Evil clowns have always been among us. Sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they're making you laugh, and sometimes they're laughing at your expense. He goes on to state, The fact is that we need both bad and good clowns. Without good clowns like Bozo, there's no tension to make evil or scary clowns entertaining or interesting. If you were alive during the 1970s, you may remember another clown, one that lived among the citizens of Chicago, a wolf in sheepskin who terrorized young men and boys in the state of Illinois for nearly a decade. A real-life psycho-killer clown known as Pogo the Clown, or by his real name, John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy had taken on many different jobs in his life, from a mortuary attendant to a KFC manager. I totally see him doing that. But probably most notably, a party clown. Gacy had joined the Jolly Jokers Clown Club in 1975, which was a local organization that performed at fundraising events, parades, and hospitals. He would also perform at birthday parties as well. Gacy was known to remain in his clown outfit he created well after his performance was finished, so he was, like, living in this suit. Oh, yeah, he loved being in that fucking clown suit. Yeah, and he would even show up to his favorite bar called the Good Luck Lounge, in his costume while having a drink. Could you imagine, yeah, could you imagine just sitting there at the fucking bar and you're like, you look over and there's this clown just staring you down drinking a beer? I can't think of anything worse, honestly. (laughs) No, just imagine if you'd been at the bar all day long and you probably had, I don't know, nine or ten beers and you're feeling pretty drunk and then you look over and you're like, am I fucking drunk? Am I hallucinating? Yeah, is that a clown literally sitting next to me? It was, it was, it was John Wayne Gacy. So he later stated that acting as a clown helped him regress the abuse he suffered as a child. On the outside, John Gacy seemed like a completely normal guy. He had a wife, a job, and a house, but the secrets he kept were so chilling and they would bring the term killer clown to life. No one actually knew that John had a particular interest in boys, specifically young boys. 
The 30-year-old overweight husband and father had been in trouble a few times before for sexually assaulting minors, even spending time in prison for his crimes, but sadly he was released after only serving 18 months of his 10-year sentence. I don't know how the fuck that actually works. Yeah, what? That's way too short. His first wife, whom he had children with, divorced him while he was still in prison, and when he was released from prison in 1971, he met another woman named Carol Hoff, and the two quickly became married. So, right out of prison, he gets married for the second time. I wonder if she knew that he was who he was. I'm willing to bet that she might have known But you never know. I mean, maybe he told her that he went to prison for a different reason. Well, she couldn't have done a Google search back in the 70s, could she now? Exactly. It's believed that John... Sorry, I had to crack a beer real quick, guys. Give me a sip. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) It's believed that John Gacy committed his first murder in 1972 after convincing 16-year-old Timothy McCoy who was traveling by Greyhound bus to Nebraska, to stay the night at his home in Chicago. Gacy later stated that he stabbed the teen to death the next morning. It was then that he knew, quote, death was the ultimate thrill. Oh, God. And if you've seen pictures of John Wayne Gacy, oh, God, he's just such a... He's a creepy piggy man. He really is. He really is. And... And then for him to say that death is the ultimate thrill, like, oh my God, that just gives you nightmares. I feel so, so sad for this, for Timothy McCoy, for being coaxed into spending the night when Timothy probably didn't have anywhere to go or something like that. So very, very sad. Yeah. And I read how Timothy was actually killed. Apparently, he had stayed the night at Gacy's house, and then the next morning, he made John Wayne Gacy breakfast and he walked up the stairs to let Gacy know that breakfast was ready and he was holding a knife. Well, apparently Gacy thought that Timothy was going to attack him. This is from Gacy's words. Yeah, right. Yeah, which I don't believe for a fucking second, but apparently he was defending himself and he killed Timothy McCoy. But I mean, you believe what you want. This poor boy who's just trying to be courteous you know, he was probably doing it as a thank you for letting him stay, makes him breakfast, and oh, that's so sad. So between 1972 and 1978, John Gacy killed more than 33 young men and boys. In 1976, his wife Carol divorced him after he explained to her that he was no longer sexually interested in her. So after this, Gacy lived alone until he was arrested for all of his crimes. His crimes were sexually motivated, and although he didn't wear his clown outfit, at least as far as we know, during his sexual assaults and murders, Pogo the Clown had some tricks up his sleeve. Gacy would lure boys into his house with the promise of money, work at his company, alcohol, or sex for money. It was believed that he would even pose as a police officer. Then he would ask if he could show them a handcuff trick. This is where the clown shit comes in. When the boys agreed, Gacy would then handcuff their hands behind their back and proceed to ask if he could show them a rope trick. Then he would wrap the rope around the boys' necks and strangle them to death. So he used, kind of did use, his profession as being a clown to trick these boys. Gross. So after police caught on to the disappearance of multiple boys in the Norwood Park area of Chicago, 
Gacy finally became a suspect. In December of 1978, 15-year-old Robert Peast overheard Gacy talking about hiring people to work for his remodeling company. Robert found out that he could make more money through Gacy's company than he would at his current job, so he took Gacy up on his offer. Before agreeing to meet Gacy after his shift, which he worked at a pharmacy during this time, Robert then called his mother to let her know that he would be home shortly, but that he needed to meet up with a local contractor about a new job. So after Robert didn't return home that night, police zeroed in on John Wayne Gacy. After doing a quick investigation into Gacy's background, it was quickly discovered that he had spent time in prison for sodomy of a 15-year-old boy. And I guess the, the reason how, why they knew to go after Gacy was because Robert, the, the young boy, had heard his co-worker talking to John Gacy, so his co-worker was the one who was actually able to identify that John Wayne Gacy was then talking to Robert about potentially having a job. Wow, that was confusing. Police received a search warrant to enter Gacy's home where they found some very disturbing items. They found several police badges, a pistol, a hypodermic needle, bottles of Valium, books on pederasty, which is described as a sexual relationship between a grown man and a boy, and multiple sets of handcuffs. But the one thing police couldn't find was Robert Peast. That was until someone informed them that they believed Gacy had been hiding bodies in the crawl space under his house. On December 20th, under stress from police surveillance, Gacy confessed to his murders, giving chilling details that lasted until the next morning. He was then arrested and the bodies of his victims were dug up from the shallow graves of dirt that he buried them in. Heath, I've got some bad news. What's the bad news? Gacy, unfortunately, is just one example of a real-life killer clown. There's more. Oh, yeah. There's definitely more killer clowns. And we're actually going to get into those killer clowns here in a bit. But first, I kind of want to talk about how the film industry furthered the narrative of the existence of the evil and murderous clown. We have to go back to the 1940s when DC Comics introduced us to the villain known as the Joker in the Batman series. In the series, we see the psychotic, sadistic, and dark humor of a clown-like character that developed into the archenemy of one of the world's most prolific heroes. As TV shows and then movies began to portray the Joker, the character became more unstable as time went on. And actually, in 2012, the Aurora movie theater mass shooter James Holmes, who killed 12 people and injured more than 70, claimed that he was in fact the real Joker. And I was actually living in Colorado during that time, and I went to the memorial there in Aurora, and I can tell you it's some pretty, pretty unsettling stuff down there. But the Joker's character was only the beginning of killer clown culture. In 1982, Universal Pictures gave us a first look at a creepy clown doll who watched you in the corner of the room in the film Poltergeist. In 1983, The House on Sorority Row gave us the antagonist Eric Slater, who wore a jester costume while killing his victims. Heath and I just watched that movie a couple weeks ago, and I am surprised it's not, like, considered a classic. Yeah, it's really, it's really good. God, it's so underrated. People, 
honestly just uh, don't really ever think about that film too often, but going back and watching it, man, it's it's honestly put together really well. There's twists. It's filmed amazing. Like the whole time Heath and I were sitting there like, oh my God, that was that was amazing. That shot was insane. Like it's just ahead of its time. But I think a lot of us think of sorority movies being overdone, but this is one of the originals. So go watch it. House on Sorority Row. Yeah, it's really got a Black Christmas kind of vibe going to it. Which is also an insane movie. So, but on the House on Sorority Row, there's a creepy jester involved. It's very scary. And then in 1988, the Chiodo brothers introduced us to the killer clowns from outer space. Yes. You love that movie, don't you? Yes, bitch. (laughs) A film in which evil alien circus clowns arrive to Earth and invade a small town in order to kill and harvest humans for food. So all these movies were not helping us be less afraid of clowns. But the most prolific and evil clown to ever exist in the fictional world has to be the devil of dairy, Stephen King's character, Pennywise. My mom thinks our dog looks like Pennywise. <laughs> she's oh a she's an English bulldog. She has that like loopy mouth, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Anywho, that's a funny image, actually. <laughs> so Stephen King's 1986 horror novel, It, introduced the world to a shape shifting cosmic evil that terrorized kids in the form of a sadistic dancing clown. When Stephen King was asked in 2013 how he came up with the idea for the clown, he simply asked himself, what would scare kids more than anything else? And his conclusion was fucking clowns. Stephen King understands. Yes, he does. And his novel was adapted into a television series in 1990 and then eventually reimagined in 2017 on film, as well as the sequel, um, It Chapter 2 in 2019. I love the the reimaginings. Those were so well done. Second one, you know. Eh. I was digging the first one for the sure. The first one's so good. So if you were like me as a kid and you remember that famous scene when Georgie floats his sailboat down the rainwater drainage stream and into the gutter, you probably have a hard time looking at gutters to this day. I still look at gutters and I'm like, uh, nope. Oh, I, I don't think I ever look at a gutter and not think of Pennywise. Yeah, exactly. So that famous quote from the gutter swelling monster, we all float down here, probably still sticks in your mind. And the razor sharp teeth during the final battle most likely gave you nightmares that you will probably never forget. But even more recently... The evil clown culture thrives today in the fictional world. Films like Stitches and We All Scream for Ice Cream kept the murderous clown fear alive. And who could forget Rob Zombie's 2003 creation of probably the most fucked up clown of all, Captain Spaulding in House of a Thousand Corpses. The twisted serial murdering clown played by the late actor Sid Haig who is part of the Firefly family. The Firefly family. (laughs) Firefly family. God, say that even once and you can't. So (laughs) Sid Haig, who's a part of the Firefly family, I'm not saying that ever again, (laughs) who kills and tortures people for laughs. Captain Spaulding also starred in Zombies 2005 Firefly family. Can't believe I just said that again. Sequel, The Devil's Rejects. Yes, The Devil's Rejects. What a good one. Rob Zombie makes some just real messed up stuff. Yeah, stuff. He, some stuff. I actually have um, a ri- uh, original, what is it? A British British spread? Fuck, I can't remember what it is. 
But it's a an original Devil's Rejects poster. You would. That's all I have to say. I, I definitely would. Coming from the guy who almost bought a tricycle from the film Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. He told me that last night he almost brought a tricycle from the film, a prop. Yeah, it was a prop and it was up for sale. I can't remember how much it was, but man, I almost pulled the trigger on that thing. Why? It's a tricycle. I just, you know, collecting horror props is something I've always wanted to do and something that I probably will do later on in my life. So someday, probably. Another great killer clown film that I find underappreciated is Damien Leon's All Hallows Eve spinoff, Terrifier, which is the scariest goddamn movie I've ever seen. Oh, such a good one. The film revolves around a psychotic, mutilating clown named Art, whose body disappeared from the morgue after he savagely massacred women on Halloween night. And I think the second one is coming out soon. My friend Britt worked on it. She's so awesome. At Dolly Hayes. She's a great artist and she's a horror fan. She's awesome. Although most of the fictional killer clowns we mentioned already had a way of taunting their victims by speaking to them, Art the Clown takes on almost a mime-like approach and taunts his victims with gestures and facial expressions without ever speaking a word. And that is what I love about that film. It's so good the way that he uses his face to scare you. He doesn't need to use words to scare you. And his face is really scary. So him not speaking really adds an even more terrifying, no pun intended, aspect to the world of killer clowns. Remember, folks, even John Carpenter's slashing character Michael Myers liked clowns. He dressed as one while killing his older sister in the film Halloween. Yes, he certainly did. And, you know, he was a little boy, so it wasn't quite as scary, but still. Yeah, that's a really great scene, actually. And also, such a good movie. Wow. The best. Yeah, such a great movie. So, the truth is, is that killer clowns exist in all realms of Western culture. According to writer Matthew Desim, scary clown sightings happen every few years. Apparently, there's a history of scary clowns that terrorize our communities every so often in the U.S. and around the world. The latest taking place in 2016, I don't know if you guys remember this, but... Who could forget? Oh yeah, right, exactly. So that year, South Carolina children were reporting to their parents that clowns had been approaching them and attempted to lure them into the nearby forest. But this wasn't the first time that South Carolina began to panic about killer clowns. Because in 1992, clowns were terrorizing the community of Rock Hill. The terror went so far that a resident hand-painted a sign in the community that read, Mr. Clown, we are all watching you. I love that. Yeah. So this really scared the people in that town. This scare ended up being a group of teenage boys who were eventually arrested but never charged because actually, scaring people as a clown is not a crime. Well, I totally remember in 2016 when this was happening because my mom and I were texting about it constantly because she knows I like creepy stuff, but I was like, no, mom, I don't like this. This is not good. This is not one of the ones I like. Yeah, <laughs> and I I remember being scared that it was going to spread because it was it was totally 
you know, it was big news. So I thought this was going to become a thing and a trend. And then Los Angeles was going to be flooded with clowns. And then I was going to see them. And I was really, I was really freaked out by that. Well, you would actually be surprised because it did actually spread. Not for very long, but it spread around the world. Well, especially because in 2016, the viral videos of these terrifying clown sightings swamped the internet and made such an impact that police had to warn pranksters to stop scaring people or they would be arrested because this was such a huge thing. Like, I'm sure you guys remember. Everybody was talking about it. The first sightings in the U.S. took place in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Five creepy clowns were seen underneath a bridge near downtown. It was later determined that the sighting was merely a publicity stunt for an upcoming horror movie called Gags, which was, of course, a film about a killer clown. Did you see that, Heath? I actually have never seen that movie. I feel like I've heard about it, but I've never seen it. After the Wisconsin and South Carolina scares, the sightings began to trend around the world. From England to Australia to Canada, folks reported seeing creepy clowns standing on street corners at night, scaring the absolute shit out of people. Yeah, I mean, that that would definitely scare the shit out of me. World Clown Association president, yes, there is a World Clown Association, Randy Christensen, urged pranksters to stop dressing up as clowns to scare people. He believes that the business of clowning was being affected negatively because of the events. And if we actually want to talk about the clown business being affected, we'd probably have to go back to horror movies that were portraying clowns as scary and evil because that's kind of where that started. And I do kind of feel bad for these guys because, you know, this is their livelihood. This is what makes them money doing this clowning. So I could see how that would be really irritating that you're kind of getting a bad name. Right. Just like I said in the intro, how I had met someone who both of her parents were professional clowns. So this is something that people have as a career. And the film industry has really just made people scared of clowns. If you go and ask anyone you know, are you scared of clowns? They're probably going to say yes. So... Of course, the business is being affected. Yeah, and it's crazy that it didn't always, it wasn't always like that, you know? Like, throughout history, clowns were seen as, you know, a positive thing. They would show up to, like, kids' birthday parties and stuff like that. But when the whole killer clown trend came on, that really kind of ruined the image almost, I think, for all clowns. You know what I think is a big part about how scary clowns are is because, first of all, with clowns, they have that painted smile. and then. You know, you can't really see their face because they're covered in makeup and they do really quirky things and they don't really talk. And I feel like that is just generally a little bit unsettling. Yeah, like like you think about the fact that, you know, back in the 70s, clowns would go to like little kids birthday parties. But I can guarantee you that a couple of those little kids probably were like still scared of clowns, even though they were painted in a positive light back then. Exactly, because their whole appearance, and I I don't remember where I read this or heard this, or it was something when I was looking up something about horror movies and making the antagonist in a horror film look like a person, like look like a human, but make something slightly different. Because then you're so used to seeing people, but then if there's something that's slightly different, you're just kind of like, that's just kind of unsettling. It's just kind of off-putting. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that that was kind of the appeal uh, for Stephen King's It and all the other uh, horror movies that had clowns in them. Right, because it's like, it's a person, but it's not a person. Right, exactly. So it's like, what is that thing? 
Exactly. Yeah, I totally get that. So if all of these pranks seemed harmless, I mean, they seemed harmless on the outside, then why was there so much panic around the world? Well, the answer is really simple. Not all the clown sightings were harmless. Some were very scary, to say the least. On September 30th, a girl in Colorado reported that a person in a clown suit attacked her. This was, sorry, this was in 2016, September 30th. So a person in a clown suit had attacked her. In October of 2016, a person in Switzerland dressed in a clown mask reportedly punched a person in the stomach and then ran away. And then, in New Zealand, a woman was attacked by two clowns and she was actually beat up. And you're probably thinking, why didn't the community fight back against these maniacs? Well, they fucking did. Because in Germany, a 16-year-old boy dressed as a clown who was running around Berlin scaring people was stabbed by another boy who was terrified of that prank. So this boy dressed up as a clown got stabbed because of it. And that teen actually had to undergo multiple surgeries because of this stabbing. Well, I mean, you know, if you if you feel like your life is being threatened and you don't know who's behind this suit, it's like maybe you just shouldn't have put that on and scared the kid. Come on. Well, I mean, you're always taking a risk by doing a prank like that. And also, in Denmark, a man who was dressed as a creepy clown and was following citizens was actually punched in the face by another man. But that's not the worst of it. Some of the clowns who tried to scare people while uh, they were driving their cars at night were actually run over, some intentionally, and others on accident. So people ran over clowns that were trying to scare them. Yeah, because clowns would, you know, jump out of the bushes at night or jump into the roadway and try to scare people in their cars. And some of these people either didn't see them or were just so fucking scared that they just hit the acceleration and, you know, ran these dudes over. Again, kind of makes sense. I was driving one time in October and the woman next to me, I was driving on the freeway, the woman next to me had this mask on that almost looked like like an old opera mask, like one of those like bird noses, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But it was also like very doll-like and it scared me so bad because she was just driving and she had this mask on and I looked over and she looked at me at the same time and I was so scared. I literally almost swerved into the next lane. So especially if you're driving and you think your life is being threatened or something, I mean, I just you might, you make might sure. get hit by a car. I just want to make sure. Was this incident around Halloween or? I think it was like in the beginning of October. Okay. Okay. So I was just going to say that would be so fucking weird and random for that person to be wearing that mask while oh, driving. No. It was in the season, but I was still very much caught off guard. Yeah, exactly. So on top of On top of all of these incidents, there was another man who was actually shot in the face in Russia for trying to prank people in a clown costume. So it's very real. So if you're planning on finally fulfilling your lifelong dream of becoming a YouTube prank star, it may be best to avoid the clown prank unless you're fully aware of the potential consequences because you may get run over or shot in the face. More about some real life clowns. The same year that Stephen King's It was released, a woman named Sheila Keen, who lived in Florida, dressed up as a clown, holding a balloon and flowers, drove to the home of her lover, and shot her lover's wife, Marlene Warren, dead in her doorway. The case went cold for years until additional DNA testing was done, which led to the arrest of Sheila in 2017. So... Years and years later. 
Marlene had at one point told friends that if anything should happen to her, they need to look at her husband, Michael Warren, which is something that you should never say about your husband. If you do, you should probably find your way out of that relationship. Yeah, that might be best for sure. Sheila and Michael got married in Las Vegas 10 years after Marlene's murder and stayed together until Sheila's arrest. So Michael married the woman that killed his wife. Her plan to hide her identity worked, but she couldn't fool forensic scientists, luckily. Yep, and you really can't ever do that. Um, It's becoming increasingly harder to get away with shit like that. I think it's safe to say that whether we're dealing with a fictional clown with an insatiable appetite for bloodlust, or a teenage prankster who gets a kick out of terrifying people, or a deranged real-life murdering psychopath, the idea of killer clowns will forever be cemented into our world. Clowns hardly seem to hold any sort of positive spirit like they did in the past. Automatically, people's brains connect clowns with evil, murder, and most likely chaos. We can't deny the power that the killer clown has over our lives, especially during the month of October, and as long as clowns scare people, movies, costumes, and pranks will most likely continue to be the staple in our society. So don't forget to look in your closet before bed, be careful when you walk down an alleyway because you might see a clown, and for the love of God, if you see red fucking balloons in the gutter, turn around and get the hell out. Thank you so much, strangers, for checking out The Dark Parts. We will be back next week with some more scary stories to keep the fright alive. And our horror tip this week comes from the infamous 1996 Wes Craven movie, Scream. The quote goes like this, Never, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back, because you won't be back. If you guys enjoyed this episode of The Dark Parts, please hit the subscribe button and make sure you share this show with your friends. All right, guys, we'll see you next time in The Dark Parts. (laughs) 